Welcome to Saints FBP. I'm Josh Fox, and today we're, we're missing Elias. We, we don't have the three-way calling going just yet, but we're going to get it worked out. But we do have a wonderful guest, Mr. Emery Hunt. Now, Emery Hunt is the CEO, founder, and analyst at Football Game Plan. He's also a motivational speaker and an author and a former college running back at Louisiana Lafayette. Everyone, let's give him a big welcome, Mr. Emery Hunt. Well, I really appreciate you having me on today. You know, it's 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 awesome to be talking about a team that I grew up loving. And, you know, growing up in New Orleans, being a big time Saints fan, so I'm excited. Oh man, I, you're excited, but I promise you, I'm more excited to talk to you because we've got a bunch of stuff to go over. Mainly, we're going to discuss undrafted free agents today, but we're going to start off because I know you were a college running back. Did that give you a, a, an advantage when it came to evaluating offenses? I would say it gave me an advantage to evaluating running backs, not necessarily the entire offense, um, because when you're playing a certain position, you you tend to be zoned in on that position. What helped me was after college and really during college, I tore my ECL, MCL in college, so my career was shot after my sophomore season. So being out of the game from a player's perspective, the coaches kept me around as a student assistant. Um, so I'm, I'm helping out with coaches. I'm helping out with recruiting. I'm helping out in the film room. And it helped me learn the game from a global perspective. So that way I was able to evaluate talent a little bit better. I was able to understand scheme. And then after college, I coached at my old high school back in New Orleans at McMain High School. And that even broadened my knowledge. That brought my knowledge even more um, about the game of football, uh, the X's and O's standpoint, and also about talent evaluation and also talent development. So I learned a lot, funny to say, by not playing as opposed to when I was playing. It might have been a blessing in disguise that that you did have that injury because without that, would you have gone down the same path that you've gone down now? That's a great question, and probably not because once I was out the game, and you know, the thing about it, when you're passionate about something and when you're passionate about you know, let's say football and, and you constantly around the game, even though you're you're young enough to still play, but physically you can't, um, it eats at you. And I was always trying to find a way to stay in the game. And had I not gotten injured, I don't know if after I would have been done with my four years at Louisiana Lafayette, would I still have that same burning desire to stay in the game. But like you like you mentioned, it was a blessing in disguise. And I'm I'm thankful that it played out this way. Because now I have something great, which is football game plan. And I tell you, I love the, if you want to watch some really great videos, go to Emery's uh, YouTube page. Uh, what's your YouTube page name? What, what should they search for? They can just go right to YouTube.com slash football game plan or just go right to the website at footballgameplan.com. And I tell you, I've watched so many of those videos. They were some of the best things that you could get to get a rundown of positional rankings of all the college prospects coming out and just a ton of stuff. And it's separated by teams. So if you're a fan of a different team, you've got that. You can find that. And you can also find all the exclusive Saints-related stuff just with a simple search. So getting back to the to the questions, we're we're going to go over – the undrafted free agents. Now, right now, we have a couple of undrafted free agents that's on our roster that might make a big impact next year. And wide receivers Brandon Coleman 
and Centavius Jones. Yeah, and I think Brandon Coleman is actually a steal. Last year, I graded him out as a second-round prospect and compared his game to Plexico Burris and what he brought to the table. He can play inside or outside. And I actually wanted to see him get on the field a little bit more last season, late in the latter part of the year. And it's funny because I remember having this discussion with a guy, a local radio guy down there in New Orleans, and he was throwing all kind of shots at me talking about why would you keep mentioning Brandon Coleman? We have Kenny Stills. We have this, blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, Kenny Stills is not on the roster, and now Brandon Coleman is. You know, so that shows you what the Saints thought of Brandon Coleman. Yes, he had drops in the preseason, but his drops weren't talent-based drops. They were focused drops, so those are coachable. And plus, you can't just ignore what he did over the course of his Rutgers career. So now you look at the Saints having another young, quote-unquote, Marcus Colson in the fold. And Coleman, I think that's a guy that's going to play a huge role in this offense this year. Brandon Coleman is just an exciting prospect just from the size and strength of him whenever you look at him play. And I think uh, Marcus Colston said last year, whenever he saw him walk up, he was like, this is like looking in a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) So who knows? We we might have that next Marcus Colston type player already on the roster. So now that's Brandon Coleman. What do you think about Santavius Jones? I think he's an okay player. I don't trust his hands. I think he is a little bit inconsistent. He was in college. He was down at the East-West Shrine game. Um, and I don't think he is as you know, talented of a receiver of what you see from Brandon Coleman. So I think his spot may be in jeopardy. And there's some good undrafted free agents coming in that you, know, you should definitely keep an eye on. Oh, man, I can't wait to get to those. But first, we're going to jump back and we're going to analyze. Just give me a, a brief overview of a couple of the Saints picks that stood out to you in their draft that they had this year? Well, I think they address needs. And and yes, I could disagree on some of the players, but you can't disagree with the picks because I think they've gotten a lot of great players. Andrews Pete, outstanding offensive tackle, was actually my number one rated offensive tackle prospect. You look at Tyler Davidson, the defensive tackle. I graded him out as a second round player and they got him in the fifth round. I love his strength at the point of attack. He can play the nose or the five. So that versatility is going to be huge. I watch a lot of small college football, so I see Davis Toll out of Chattanooga a lot. So this is a guy that can bring bring it off the edge with speed. But Stephon Anthony was my number two rated inside backer. Big fan of his game and what he brings to the table. I think he'll be an instant upgrade for this defense. And I was a big fan of Damian Swan out of Georgia. I got the chance to see him down at the East-West Shrine game this year. He was one of the top corners. He competed well. And you start to see a common theme with these Georgia cornerbacks. They're all quick. They're all tough. They're physical. They can tackle. They can cover. And they match up very well one-on-one. And I think the P.J. Williams pick is a good one as well because, again, here's a guy that I had a second-round grade on. They got him in the third round. He can play in space. He can play in a slot. Um, He tends to get a little bit too handsy as far as in coverage, a little bit grabby. But playing him off the ball, I think he'll do a great job. I think you have two young corners that they can develop with similar skill sets in P.J. Williams and what we drafted, we, I'm sorry, the Saints drafted last year in Stanley Jean-Baptiste. You can say we. You're a Saints fan too, man. This is we. (laughs) This is a we situation. What do you think about quarterback Garrett Grayson? Honestly, I think the Saints whiffed on that one. You know, they didn't have to take a guy in the third round that won't see the field. And especially a guy that doesn't have the talent that I think he has. If anybody should have been taken, it would have been, I would have taken maybe a Brett Huntley. I would have taken maybe an Austin Dodge out of Southern Oregon later on in the draft. I would have probably taken a Nash Nance. 
uh, former Tennessee transfer, went down to Hampton, Sydney, great quarterback uh, prospect. There was a bunch of quarterbacks that graded out to me better than Garrett Grayson. I think Grayson is an average player, and it was a wasted pick in the third round for a guy that, again, that can't help you right now. There are plenty of good players on the defensive side of football at corner, at linebacker, even another offensive lineman was there. There was a receiver still in play in in this spot, like a Ty Montgomery that could have went to the Saints, and yet they chose Garrett Grayson. I think that was a big miss uh, uh, amongst, you know, a great draft. What would be your overall feeling of this draft? I like the draft. I think they got good players that can come in and play right away. Again, Pete, Davis, and Anthony are guys that I think that can come in and have a huge impact Kikaha is a guy that I would have probably went with another Pac-12 player, Nate Orchard, out of Utah. He's a little bit more consistent. He's healthier. He can play the run. He's physical and also get after the quarterback. Kikaha, yes, he had all those sacks, but he also had all of those injuries. So, And I don't think he's as athletic as he's being made out to be. So I think he can fill a, a need, a role. But if I had a choice, I would have went with Nate Orchard, who was a better pass rusher and more of a complete outside linebacker. Yeah, Nate Orchard has those heavy hands. Heavy hands. All right, so that's our draft. This is Emory's opinion on the Saints draft. Now we're going to kind of dip into where Emory really digs deep. He is the best at this in terms of finding small college guys to slip through the cracks. He was one of the few people that I know said Russell Wilson was a first-round pick when everybody else is like, oh, no, he's an afterthought. And I know you stuck to your guns and you were said first-round pick all the way through the process. So I know you know the small school guys and the guys who slipped through the cracks. Now, we have a ton of undrafted free agents that the Saints have brought in. Now, we're going to start off with the offensive line, and the first guy on the list is Danielle Gainbrell. I think I'm saying that name right. Well, I, I don't know too much about these guys right here. The one guy out this group that I've seen live is Sean Hickey out of Syracuse. I'm actually surprised he didn't get drafted. A guy that he dominated in the game I saw live. I went to the Boston College game, and a guy in Brian Mihalik, defensive end who's like 6'9", 285, Hickey made him look like an afterthought. Actually pancaked him five times within that first quarter and in, ended up injuring Mihalik, his shoulder, and so I was surprised. Hickey, now, Hickey's issue is that he, he has those knee problems. So his knees are like the knees of a 45-year-old. So if he can check out healthy, you know, he's a great pick. But he's strictly a right tackle run blocker. Now, he played uh, left tackle at Syracuse. He won't play that in uh, at, for New Orleans. But if you're looking at a guy that can come in as a swing tackle until he proves to be healthy on a consistent basis, Hickey is a very good run blocker. He doesn't have the athleticism to play guard. But a right tackle, pure right tackle as far as run blocking is concerned, swing tackle on short yardage, goal line, Hickey's going to be a fine pick. I think this was a steal in the undrafted ranks. Pretty excited about him. He was the one name that really stood out on the list. Uh, I, I hate that you think he can't play left guard because I still view that as a problem. Do you think left guard is, is patched up enough with, uh, with Lolito there starting? Well, there's two guys on the roster that I think can play guard. Uh, Mike Golick, I saw – a lot of out in Brooklyn when he played for the FXFL's Brooklyn Bolts. And he had a great season in those four games, and he was one of the best players in that league. So I think Golick signing is a huge thing. Brewster is another guy that I think can play guard if need be, the, the former center from Ohio State. So I think there's guys on the roster that, that can that can hold their own if need be at left guard. 
Um, and there's still, you know, there's still the free agency that can happen. But I do think they have some young talent in Mike Golick, who also had a, an impressive showing at the NFL Super Regional Combine this past March in Arizona, where I was out there uh, and watched him work out as well. Still had the same athleticism to go along with the tape that I saw from the Brooklyn Bolts. And he's one of those guys that they brought back. You know, they originally signed him as an undrafted free agent, and then they brought him back. So that that goes to tell me that they they like something about him, and they have a role. And let's see if he can advance. So you, you you're selling me on Golik. I wasn't real sold before I talked to you, but I think you're selling <laughs> me on him now. The uh, all right. So let's move on to the wide receivers. We have a couple here, and the the first one is R.J. Harris. Yeah, and here's the thing. Out these two guys, R.J. Harris is the guy. Another player that I was surprised that went undrafted. When you put on the New Hampshire tape, all you see is Harris being the number one option and consistently making plays. Now, he may not be a blazer, but he catches everything thrown his way. We've heard this before when you talk about those bigger, slower guys that can make plays. Now, I look at him more along the lines of a Nick Toon. And the, the difference between he and Nick Toon is that Harris has been healthy. And so I think Harris is a guy that can play on the inside. He's good after the catch. And he's a, he has tremendous production at the FCS level in a very tough conference. The CAA is on par with what I like to call the ACC. You have three big conferences in the uh, FCS ranks. You have the CAA, you have the Colonial, I'm sorry, you have the uh, Southland Conference, and you also have the OVC. And when you look at what he was able to do over the course of his career, being the team's number one option and basically a run heavy attack, Harris definitely has game. Oh man, you've got me sold on him. And what do you think of uh, Malcolm Kennedy? Any, any thoughts on him? I think he's just, again, an, an okay player. And if I had the choice between the two, Harris would be the guy. All right. Makes sense. All right, we've got a couple of tight ends and there's a slot for a third tight end because we have Josh Hill and we have Ben Watson, but then we have a, a competition for that number three spot. And the guy that really stood out in terms of these two guys is uh, Harold Spears to me. What do you think of him, Emory? Again, these two guys are, are just decent players. I don't think they're better than what the Saints have on the roster already in Orson Charles. And I think Orson Charles, to me, is more of what they want in on offense. I think he is even a better player than Josh Hill. Um, a little bit more athletic, can do a little bit more things with the football in his hands. He can split out wide. He can line up. He's a little bit more fluid in his route. So I would say Orson Charles is a lot better than what the Saints are bringing in from an undrafted free agent. I don't see these guys uh, contending for a spot. I had no idea that Orson Charles was uh, was so renowned because I now, now you've got now I've got to do some research. Now I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, I've missed something. All right, <laughs> so that's Orson Charles. So he would be your pick for the third tight end position. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would look at the way they used him in Cincinnati. They used him as an H-back, fullback type. I do think how he was utilized at Georgia is the best way, more of a flex tight end. And I think with his skills, speed, route running, catching the football, all he needs is the opportunity. And he didn't get much of it last year on the practice squad. But the Saints, again, going into the preseason, be on the lookout for Orson Charles. Oh, man. Now now, now I'm going to have to go and look for his number, and, and I'm going to keep up with him all throughout the offseason. Uh, all right, so now we're going to switch over to the defense, and the Saints have brought in some other undrafted free agents at linebacker. Now, you've got a couple names here, and it's Marcus Pierce Brewster and Steven Sanders. 
Well, uh, again, it's, and it's a common theme here. The Saints have some good talent on the roster. I don't see these guys contending. I don't think one of them, either one of them are better than uh, Ronald Powell, who the Saints drafted last year, is a guy holding a spot. Jerry Franklin is an underrated player. I liked him coming out of Arkansas. Um, so the Saints have some guys on the roster, with also with two draft picks in Kikaha and also Anthony and Toll. I, I don't see them having a chance to compete because, again, you look at other guys, Powell, Franklin, I think those are the guys that have a better shot to make it as opposed to these undrafted free agents. If you're going to be an undrafted free agent, you have to, in my opinion, you have to have a trait that pops out at you on film. You can't just be a guy that fits in. And I think that's what they have right here in these two guys at linebacker. Well, you always need competition. So now this this group, we have a group of defensive linemen that we brought in that just looks on paper, it looks like a good group of guys. Now, Mr. Bobby Richardson, what do you think of him? Richardson is one of those players that you wanted to see a little bit more of, do more in, in college. He didn't really put it all together. You know, I would like to say if if, if there's a guy out this group that has a, a real shot, it would be Caleb Hughes uh, out of Mississippi State. I think he's a guy that, that has um, a good chance uh, seeing that the depth is, is not there as of yet. And you don't know what they're going to do with as far as like um, – uh, five techniques are concerned. There's a spot available. So if I think one guy is going to make it, it'll be Caleb. Caleb Ewells also has a, you know, he's he's known for great character. When he, uh, didn't he, isn't he the char- the guy who saved the kids from a shooting on a school bus? I believe so. Whenever you say he's probably the best out of the bunch and he has that, that great character, it sounds like one of, the, one of these types of players that they're bringing in now. Now, we have, we usually keep, three to four undrafted free agents every year. If you had to pick three guys who would make this team out of, a, out of this list, who'd be your three? Oh, that's a great question. I look at Hickey, Harris, and Yules. I think those guys, to me, had the production in college and also have the, the ability to, to stick and show on a consistent basis, not only through the practices, but also in the preseason games. Just like last year when I told people, that Brian Dixon would be one to keep an eye on. He would make the team, and people didn't know who he was coming out of Northwest Missouri State, and all I saw was him and his twin brother, who now plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, make play after play. There were two starting cornerbacks, two twins, and picking off passes left and right, and Dixon was a guy that that slipped through the cracks. He made the team last year and was able to get an interception um, during the season, and I think the same thing can be said for those three guys I named, and Hickey, Harris, and also Mules. Brian Dixon was an absolute find last year. He played special teams, and then by the end of the year, he was starting ahead of the second-round pick, Stanley Jean-Baptiste. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting when you see that. And, and it, I tell people all the time, you know, a lot of times people get blinded by where a guy went to school. And there's many reasons why guys go to non-Power 5 conferences. It could be something as simple as, you know, this was the local school that recruited me first. Or it could be something that, you know, a guy maybe wasn't as – physically developed coming out of high school. That still happens to this day. That's how you have an Ollie Marpet at a Division three school that ends up getting drafted in the second round. So there's talent across the board. And some people just get this thought that all the best players play in these Power 5 conferences when that's not the case. I know Ollie Marpet. That was one of the guys that we had targeted early on, uh, the Saints FVP, Elias and I, as the starter for left guard, hopefully, this year for the Saints. But sadly, 
you know, the uh, the Bucks traded up and stole that dream. Yeah, that's 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 where the Saints again. That third round pick could have been any one of those players. You know, uh, not necessarily Marpet, but it could have been a very good guard or a very good five tech or you know another nose or it could have been an, a corner, an outside backer. I mean, even if you wanted to make a complaint about the first round pick and second round pick, two first round picks. I'm sorry. Instead of going Andres Pete and Stephon Anthony, they could have actually went Marcus Peters and Randy Gregory and still came out on top. You know, so again, I like the draft, but there are some places where better guys, in my opinion, were there. But you can't argue with Pete Davidson and Anthony. I think those guys are cornerstones, and also Williams and and, and uh, Davis Toll. I think Kikaha, if he can prove to be healthy, is a situational player. But overall, a decent draft, and Swine is a guy that I think is a lot better than what they brought in free agency free agency wise in Kyle Wilson. Davis Toll was actually a guy that I wanted in the third round. I have no idea how he drifted to the fifth. His injuries, you know, he's he's one of those guys that he's a fast guy, so he's going to have fast guy injuries. You know, so he's always a little nicked. Um, but his 100% is better than anybody else's 100% that I've seen coming out the FCS ranks this year. I know you you constantly say you don't really look for players that play against the competition. You look for traits. What are some of the traits that you look for whenever you're going after a linebacker like David, when you're evaluating a linebacker like Davis Toll? Well, you want to see how active a guy is. You want to see how how much he wants to make the play, whether it be get the tackle or get a sack or a TFL or even go go for the football. And I think that trans, you know, that translates to um, what I look for in every position at every level on a defense. You got to find guys that want it. And if you want the ball and if you want to make the play, I want you on my on my defense. And, and as far as, you know, linebackers nowadays, you don't see guys that you used to see like you know, Yvonne Johnson's and you know, Sam Mills, those guys that look to hit. You know, a lot of these linebackers now, it's almost become a finesse position. So when you find a guy that is active, that's aggressive, that is, you know, agile, I think that's what you want. Do you think he could be a starter on the Saints defense? And, and, and what year would he have a chance to start? I don't think he's starter quality because I do think he gives up a little bit versus the run. He's not as stout versus the run as you would like to see from a, a guy that you ex, you're expecting to start. So I think as a situational pass rusher, a la Kikaha, who they drafted in the second round, I think those guys will feel a need as niche, niche players um, as far as um, pass rushing is concerned, spot guys. Now, moving on to the wide receiver position as a whole, who do you, how do you th- see that shaking out this year? Because there's a lot of new faces and a lot of guys that, you know, we talked a little bit about Brandon Coleman in the beginning, but that position has a lot of uncertainty. How do you see that shaking out? Well, one guy they picked up late in the season last year that had a huge impact was Jalen Saunders. They got out of Jalen Saunders uh, what they were trying to get out of Kenny Steele's. I know Kenny Steele's averaged 20 yards a catch, but when you look at a guy that didn't want to go across the middle, to put it nicely, that's the real reason why he's no longer a New Orleans Saint. And Saunders is tough. He made an impact on special teams right away. First game, had a big kickoff return and punt return. And you also look at maybe a guy like Brandon Coleman we talked about. And I'm also a big fan of Willie Sneed coming out of uh, Ball State. He's a guy that, that can make all sorts of cir- uh, you know uh, crazy catches, you know circus catches. Um, so it's going to be a lot of competition. They bring back Joseph Morgan, but I do think um, if for me, 
if I had to pick guys right now, it would be Colson Cooks, um, Saunders, Coleman, and uh, maybe Nick Toon. The thing about Nick Toon is that you like his game, but you don't like his injury history. He can't stay on the field. So he would be the last guy I would see. But I do think they do have guys also with undrafted free agent Harris that can come in and make a play. With the way the Saints have set up their receiving core, it tells you that this is going to be a team like 2006 where they're going to run the football, they're going to try to operate off play action, and they're going to try to play above the rim in the passing game. I think they're going to put big guys on the inside and have those speed guys like Cooks and and, uh, Saunders on the outside because when you have those big guys on the inside, they're going to take up those safeties, and now those speed guys on the outside will have an opportunity to get free off the line and also get downfield. The big guys are some of the most intriguing intriguing prospects because they can provide such a mismatch to the smaller uh, slot cornerbacks. And it, it forces you as a defense to, to you know, tip your hand. Uh, are we going to put the safety – are we going to keep the safety on the hash? Are we going to shade him over to the side of – you know, toward the sideline? Are we going to put him over the big guy? It causes problems. Now, if you put those receivers in the middle of the field and now you have – and you spread the field like the Saints can do – I think this is the reason why it's going to be easier for them to run the football because they're going to have to either take a guy out of the box. They don't have a flex guy that, that tips their hand like a, a Jimmy Graham did when Graham was on the field. You know the Saints weren't running the football or at least not running the ball to his side. So it made them one-dimensional. It made them predictable. And now I think that's good, that with that taken away, is going to make them even tougher to defend because you don't know what's coming. That was the big thing last year. Jimmy Graham was a number one wide receiver that – Every time Drew Brees, because that offensive line was so porous, Drew Brees was under pressure really a lot last year. He would just throw it up to Graham and hope for the best, and people, defenses started catching on, and it just led to a bunch of problems that just kind of snowballed. Yeah, what's interesting is that you know bringing in C.J. Spiller uh, is going to make things a lot easier for those receivers underneath because he's going to he's going to draw attention from a linebacker, which takes one guy out of that zone, that intermediate zone area. So really as a receiver, you just have to find the soft spot or beat a guy one-on-one and you have a window for Drew Brees to hit you. How many, how many yards do you think CJ Spiller will catch this year? Cause he, it looks like a perfect fit. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me to see the saints have two 1000 yard rushers. And I know you asked about the receiving yards, but I think that would make Spiller a one-dimensional player or a predictable player, put it that way. So keeping him in the game as a runner, sort of like how they use Reggie Bush um, with Deuce McAllister, where they ran the same uh, outside zone with the uh, the end around behind it to where, you know, a guy had to, that end man on the line of scrimmage had to find, a, he had to make a decision. Either you going to follow Reggie Bush or you're going to, you know, squeeze down and take Deuce McAllister. And so I think both guys are going to have huge years running the football. Now, as far as receiving, Spiller will, will get his catches, but I don't think he'll have – he's not the, the receiver that a Reggie Bush was or a Darren Sproles is. He's a good receiver, but he's not that receiver, put it, to put it that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, but you just said two 1,000-yard rushers on the Saints offense that's known for throwing. You're really confident that they're going to go and pound the ball this year. Well, it's not necessarily pounding the football because I think Ingram is going to get the the bulk. And with a guy like Spiller, he doesn't need, you know, 25 carries to make a difference. 
he can get 100 yards on 8 to 12 carries because he has that, that breakaway speed. So his average is going to be ridiculous um, just by nature of his skill set. And Ingram is going to have that consistent four and a half yards of carry, five yards of carry, because that's his game. Oh, man. You, you, you got me pumped up for this next offseason. So what? All right, let's throw out another prediction. We've got a couple more minutes here. What do you think the Saints record is next year? Well, that's very tough, you know, to say early on. But I do think, you know, the Saints can right now, even before the draft, with what they brought in free agency wise with Browner and, and um, Spiller and also getting Ellerby in the trade. I do think the Saints have a roster to to be the top in the NFC South. So I do see them winning the NFC South. But it's going to be it's going to be tough. I think the Saints have right now roster wise, health permitting a roster that can get them. 11 wins and I think that's where I I would probably slot them this early in the process where can people connect with you online they can find me on Twitter at fball game plan I'm also on Instagram as well everything on Instagram and vine is football game plan so they could just search football game plan but Twitter is fball game plan visit our website footballgameplan.com and also our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash football game plan Man, it has been an absolute joy, Emery. I, I have had so much fun talking with you. This is Emery Hunt, and he's he's our first guest on Saints FBP. And we're just really, I'm just really thankful. We've had so many great fans, and now we've had one great guest. I appreciate you having me on, Josh. It's always good to talk a little bit of local flavor with guys. Oh, man, I'm excited about it. You have a good one, man. You too. Go marching in, go marching in. Now when the saints go marching in, go marching in. Yes, I want oh, to yeah. be in that number. Oh, yeah. I win the saints go marching in. Sing it again.